Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday of Advent, and with this special Sunday, you'll notice that the candle is pink for this Sunday. Now, there's all kinds of interpretations of why is the third Sunday uh, pink, where the others are all purple. And actually, you'll see in some Advent wreaths, if you purchase them online, some are all just purple. The thinking is, is the third Sunday is the Sunday When I grew up, I was always thinking it was the Sunday on Mary. Uh, More so, it's the emphasis is on that this is the Sunday of joy. And with that in mind, we're going to consider the beautiful words of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where Paul speaks of rejoicing and what that means and what that looks like in a Christian's life. Our first lesson for this third Sunday in Advent is found recorded in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, beginning at verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of faint spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord to display his beauty. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will celebrate because of my God, for he has clothed me in garments of salvation. With a robe of righteousness, he covered me like a bridegroom who wears a beautiful headdress like a priest and like a bride who adorns herself with her jewelry. For as the earth produces its growth and as a garden causes what has been sown to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up in the presence of all the nations. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not extinguish the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. Hold on to the good. Keep away from every kind of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
He came as an eyewitness to testify about the light so that everyone would believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This is the testimony John gave when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny. He confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. Then they asked him, Who are you? Tell us so that we can give an answer to those who send us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet said. They had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked John, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, or Elijah, or the prophet? I baptize with water, Jesus answered. Among you stands one you do not know. He is the one coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. These things happened in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at the first, at the 16th verse. These words I'm going to read once again are the closing words of the Apostle Paul's letter to the dear Christians in Thessalonica. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not extinguish the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. Hold on to the good. Keep away from every kind of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this day I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And I do not say this because this is just something to say at this type of time of year. And I don't say these words just simply because I want to pick a fight with those that don't want to say Merry Christmas and, and choose to say Happy Holidays instead. No, Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Because in the light of everything that goes on in our lives and in this world, we can say with confidence, Merry Christmas. But then maybe you don't feel so merry. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in a rut. Maybe you're overwhelmed with depression. And it, you just can't seem to snap out of it. You go for help, you talk to counselors and... It just doesn't seem to do much good. How can you say Merry Christmas when in your heart there's just no Mary? Then you would be one who would probably not rejoice in what the Apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonians when he writes, Rejoice Always. 
that in and of itself may seem totally ridiculous and dumb and silly to rejoice always. I could see maybe rejoicing sometimes when you're in the mood, but to rejoice always? Paul is asking for the impossible. What is he thinking when he writes such a thing? Rejoice always? No way can anyone do that. If you look at rejoicing, it's just simply happiness, which is in emotion in of, a, of itself, and you know how emotions work. They're up and down. They're all over. You can't even control your own emotions. Sometimes you find yourself feeling sad, and you don't know why. And when someone asks you, why are you feeling this way, you just reply, I don't know. No, joy is more than that. It's really a state of mind. And why we can always rejoice is the fact that you and I have hope. That's what our joy clings to. That's what our joy is based on. It is based on a believing heart that clings to hope. Jesus, the Son of God, leaving the glories of heaven to take on human flesh, being born of the Virgin Mary, is hope. This Jesus who lived this perfect life, and oh, did Satan try to tempt him, to get him to turn and to sin and to follow him, just as he did in the Garden of Eden when he convinced them and tempted Adam and Eve to eat from the tree that God told them not to eat from. To hear that Jesus was faithful and he didn't give in to those lies, that's hope. To know that he took that perfect life and offered it on the cross for the ultimate sacrifice for sins. All those animal sacrifices had to be offered over and over, but they all pointed to the ultimate sacrifice that the Savior, the Son of God, would make for the sins of the world. And therefore his sacrifice is won and done. That's whole. To know that he rose from the dead and conquered death, that's hope. To know that he ascended into heaven and will return on the last day to take us and all believers with glorified bodies to enjoy the glories of heaven where there's no more sin or suffering and pain, this is hope. This isn't hope based on what we need to do or what we have done. This is hope based on what God has done for us. And so whether you're sad or whether you're happy, whether you find yourself in a rut or whether you find yourself struggling even with depression, there is joy because there is hope and hope eternal. So rejoice always. This isn't a silly, dumb, stupid statement to make. This is one we need to hear, as well as to pray without ceasing. Once again, is Paul kidding? We're, we're going to pray without ceasing, pray continually? That's not possible. Am I supposed to fold my, heads, fold my hands, bow my head, and, and say prayers constantly? What about eating? What about drinking? What about working? I got a life to live too. Pray without ceasing? What is Paul saying here? 
Well, if you see prayer as just simply folding your hands and bowing your heads and saying a prayer and taking a moment to do so, if that's all prayer is, yes, then this statement is totally silly. But prayer is who we are. It's a fruit of faith. It comes from a believing heart. Whether we do it with folded hands or just walking down the street, we're constantly always praying to our Lord. Continually praying, knowing that he hears our prayers because he knows our heart. And to know that he has the almighty power to not only hear our prayers, but to answer them. Pray continually. But as you pray, keep in mind that God does speak back to us. Oh, he may not just open up the clouds and with a voice from above speak to us, but we know he speaks to us through his holy word. So as you pray, be in the word. Hear what God has to say. Hear the promises he makes. As you live your life, praying without ceasing. There's nothing silly about this. And as you pray and take your request to God, don't forget to give thanks as well. Pray with a thankful heart. And concerning that, the Apostle Paul writes, in everything give thanks. In everything? Once again, that has to be silly and ridiculous and dumb to give thanks. I get in a car accident that I give thanks. I'm fighting with my spouse and children. I give thanks. I just heard that they're going to lay me off from work. I give thanks. Oh, I, my bones ache. They don't work like they used to. People say that when you get old, those are the golden ages. And I'm supposed to give thanks when clearly it's not. Oh, my dear friends, give thanks in everything and all times. Once again, if giving thanks is only when you're feeling happy, yes, this is completely silly. But to understand that we give thanks because once again we have hope. Hope not only in a Savior who's paid for our sins, but hope in a Savior who said, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I can give thanks because I'm never alone. I can give thanks to the very one who, who said through the Apostle Paul that he'll work out all things for good and for those who rest in his love. Oh, think of the words where he says that he will not tempt us beyond what we can bear, but even provide a way out. To have a Lord that even sends the guardian angels to encamp around us and to be with us so that even the evil foe may have no power over us? We have good reasons to give thanks that no matter what happens in our, our lives, that God will even use suffering for our greater good? Knowing that God works that way in our lives? There's always a reason to give thanks. And I've always said that I look up to people who can see even bad situations and still give God praise and glory and give him the thanks that's due his holy name because they know God is working in our lives and that's hope.
because of this, it is not surprising that the Apostle Paul would also write, do not extinguish the Spirit. The Spirit who is living in your heart and working in your heart. The Holy Spirit who calls you to faith and keeps you in that one true faith is the Holy Spirit who's not simply working out of thin air. He always works through a means, and the means is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That good news is found only in the word. That good news is used with the promises in baptism and Lord's Supper. This is what gives baptism and Lord's Supper its power and authority. It is God's word, the gospel. Don't put out the Holy Spirit who's working through the gospel in your heart by ignoring the gospel, by rejecting the gospel, or as Paul puts it, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Prophecies are God's word, God's promises, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well. You treat these words with contempt every time we think we can add to it or subtract from it or change it. Take God at his word. This is God's word, not my word to do with what I want, but God's word. The very God who made me is the very God who saved me, and it's all revealed in his holy word. Take to heart his word and use it to test everything. Wait a minute, I thought Christians are not to be judgmental. This has got to be wrong. To test everything means you'll have to make judgments. And anyone who's judgmental, we know that can't be Christian. Judgmental, look it up in the dictionary. It simply means one who makes judgments. Of course we make judgments. We must make judgments all day long between what's right and what's wrong. We wrestle with making judgments each and every day. This idea that you can't be judgmental is just pure silliness. Of course we make judgments. Yes, God does condemn self-righteous judgments, the kind of judgment where I put you down so I can praise myself. See, that's selfishness. And selfishness, no matter what form it takes, is sinful. But of course we make judgments. And Paul even explains how easy the judgments are. Hold on to the good. Keep away from every kind of evil. So knowing God's word and know it well, then we can apply what is good because we know God's will. And we know what is evil because God tells us what is evil. So hold on to the good. Don't let it go. And get rid of the evil. As each and every day we confess our sins, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Trusting in the forgiveness that is ours in Christ. And with that believing heart, living to his glory, according to his word. All these things that you have heard is not just simply a beautiful Christmas wish list. No, these are the words of God's will. This is God's will for your life as you live waiting for the coming of the Lord on the last day. This is who we are because this is who we are in Christ Jesus. 
In fact, this is God's will in Christ Jesus. Everything of who Jesus is and what he has done for us is makes up everything of who we are and what we live for. It's all in Christ Jesus. As you grow in your relationship with him, you grow in your relationship of living with the Lord and doing so not as a way to earn heaven, but out of love for him who won for you heaven. So often as a minister, I'll hear people say, Pastor, I'm going to try harder. I'll really work hard to turn around my life. And over and over again, they fall apart. They try so hard, and yet what is missing is faith in Christ who did it all. You and I cannot earn heaven, but thank you be to Jesus who did earn it for us. This is why we can say, without a doubt, no matter what mood I'm in, Merry Christmas. Whether I'm happy or sad, I can say Merry Christmas. The very, the very Apostle Paul who wrote that pray without ceasing concludes by praying. He writes, may the, peace of, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here sin has separated us from God, but he prays to God of peace. God, you are the one who reconciled us. You are the one who paid the price. You are the one who made us your own and called us to be your own. And you are the one, we pray, that will sanctify us, make us holy, completely, living to your glory, in keeping with your holy name. May our every peace and place in our lives and in our hearts and in our inmost deepest part of our souls and lives, may that be kept blameless, living for you as we look forward to your return and the glories that await us eternally. Paul concludes by saying, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. God is faithful. Because of these very words, the prayer that he just prayed is more than a prayer. These words tell us that what Paul just prayed is actually God's promises to you as God works in your heart to say always with a believing heart, Merry Christmas. And we can say it with eyes focused on the one who is the Savior of the world, Jesus, the name given to Mary by the angel Gabriel. It means Savior. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. 
If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.